that was a crazy like uh, in Finding Nemo. You know those those uh, <laughs> those seagulls like my 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 my. Everyone's like more 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 more. I was going what what. Hey, let's pray for you. Our brother asked for prayer. So if you're around him, put a hand on him, and I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, thank you for uh, the willingness and the stirring of our body, and whether it's to grow in new ways, which we all desire, and step out, whether it's to look into the uh, pain in our community. Father, we pray for our brother, what we pray for all of us, that we would obey you, that we would follow you, that we would give what we know of ourselves to who you have revealed yourself to be. Uh, and so we commit this time to you in your word, and we ask that you would stir and continue to stir the body. Thank you for this gathering. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thanks for asking for prayer. So uh, just so you know, this, this tower steeple thing, underneath it's on rollers, and when, it, uh, when it, it's windy, it shakes. The building is not going to come down, okay? I just want to be very clear on that. Um, okay, let's jump in. The year was 19... 19- 1951. Uh, Audrey Hepburn made her big screen debut. I Love Lucy premiered on CBS television in 1951. Uh, The first color televisions were sold in 1951. And Tupperware was invented (laughs) in 1951. In 19... I don't know. All services. I got the most response. Um... (laughs) Um, the average family income in 1951 on the peninsula, $3,700 a year. And the average new house on the peninsula in 1951, $9,000. And in 1951, in this actual home in Burlingame, a $9,000 home, 22 people met and came before God with a big ask to start a brand new church, a new covenant church on the peninsula. Now listen, in this gathering, there were no professional clergy. There were no buildings. There was not even a defined strategy. Just a bunch of faith-filled women and men believing that the peninsula in 1951 needed a church that would have in its DNA from the beginning a heart to go where the people are. A key aspect of this church would be captured in one word, also. Also. This wouldn't be a church for church people only, but also for the unchurched. The covenant at that time was primarily a Swedish denomination. This wouldn't be a church on the peninsula for Swedes only, but for all people also. This wouldn't be a church for people who want to come to church only, This would be a church for people who felt disqualified from God's love. Also. Also is a great word. Also is messy. Also is thrilling. Uh, Four years ago, almost to the day, my family was gathered down in Southern California for a wedding for my niece. And uh, we were actually, the Gadini six were in tears, me and my four daughters and uh, my wife. And uh, I left them to circumvent the globe in a 48-hour period because we sensed from God that six only wasn't enough, that God was giving us a big also to include uh, this little girl into our family and to go from a family of six only to seven. That decision, four years later, now that girl is actually in the Sunday school room, uh, has spent more time on American soil than African soil. 
And that girl in this journey has rewritten completely the narrative of the Gadini house and the Gadini family and the Gadini future. It has been thrilling, that also. It has been incredibly messy, that also, in these last four years. Let me ask you a question. Are you an also or an only kind of person? What's your default? Where do you land on the continuum? Also or only? Now, more importantly, was Jesus an also or only kind of Savior? That might be the most important question we ask because everything we do is defined from Jesus. Was he an also or an only? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, I'm going to stick to heaven only? Aren't you glad he said, I'm also going to go to earth? As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus told his probably most famous parable. And it was actually three different parables. He started with a man who had 100 sheep. And he said, you know what? He lost 1% of his net worth, just 1%. But he wasn't content to stick with the only of the 99. He ventured out to also include the one. And then he got even more personal. He talked about a woman who had uh, her whole net worth and lost 10% of it. She had 10 coins and lost one. And she wasn't content to stick with her 90% only. She had to venture out and also look all over the house for that 10%. Then it got even more personal. There was a father who had two sons. And one of them wandered away. And the father wasn't content with only one son. He also wanted his other son to be part of the home. In John chapter 11, this isn't in your notes, but in John chapter 11, verse 51 to 52, listen to this also only tension talking about Jesus. It says, he did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, but not, what's the next word? Only for that nation, but what's the next word? also for the scattered children of God. At that point, if we're followers of Christ, we should be on our seats hooting and hollering and going, praise God, because that means Jesus died for us. And not just the Jewish nation, which he loves and are the children, uh, born natural children of God, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and to make them what? One. That's your vision, Nicole, of one people. So throughout our 65-year history, the also value popped up time and time again in this church to the thrill of many and the frustration of some. But PCC wouldn't be who we are if we neglected the also for the safety and security of the only. Let me ask you again another question. Would we be PCC without you? No. I'll answer it. And you were an also at one point. Would we be PCC without the community center? Our swim tennis fitness facility, if you're new here, uh, across the bridge. No. And that community center was an also at one point. As a matter of fact, it was an also when this building was being built and people were sacrificing tons of money to build this building, that became open to purchase. That was a big ask of God to make that part of our also. And every week we're touching three to 4,000 students in grammar schools in Redwood City, public grammar schools through PE, because in the 70s, someone had a heart to be an also kind of church. And through sport, 
we're reaching way more people than we ever dreamed possible. Let me ask you this. Would PCC be who we are apart from our global strategy or our partnerships in the local schools? Absolutely not. Congo, Malawi, China, Ensenada, Chile, Roosevelt, Fair Oaks, Kennedy Schools, those were all also's at one point. So it's 65 years since our inception, and there's been this growing sense that we need to recapture the original Burlingame living room vision that God put on the heart of people. And it's, uh, there's been this growing uh, stirring that we need to recapture a fresh new big ask from God for a vision. That's been the priority effort of the PCC lay leadership team. I'm led and accountable to this group of people for the past three years. And for the whole month of January, we're pausing and bringing to the whole church, inviting the whole church into this new messy and thrilling also for the next decade. It's a vision for our future that's rooted in our past. So our primer will be the book of Acts, specifically looking at one church. The book of Acts records the movement of God in the early followers of Jesus, actually a movement that also started in a living room, if you will, an upper room in Jerusalem, uh, with timid followers of Christ. And we're going to jump into Acts chapter 11. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 11, or if you have a smartphone, you can open your YouVersion app, and all these notes are in Acts chapter 11. Because we're stepping into a pivot point, let me give you a context of what's going on. If you have your notes, top of page 1 gives you some context of what's leading up to Acts chapter 11. Leading up to Acts chapter 11, the church was gathered and they were bringing in a lot of also's, but they were only Jewish also's, and they were just in Jerusalem. And so in Acts chapter 8, the church had to be scattered. One of their key people named Stephen gets martyred in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 8. And then in Acts chapter 9, Saul is converted. Saul would be the human agent used of God to bring the gospel to the also's out there, the non-Jewish people, although he wasn't a follower of Christ. So he gets converted in chapter 9. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is dreaming. That's important because Peter led what's called the Jerusalem Council, kind of the elders, the gatekeepers of the early church. And so God gives him a dream that he's an also God, that Gentiles too are included in the family of God. And then where we're going to be for this whole month, Acts chapter 11, Antioch. The church is born. Let's pick up in verse 19. Are you all there? Acts 11, you with me? Okay. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, now we know what that was about, uh, Acts chapter 8, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Okay, let's, can you throw up the map at this point, please? Uh, let me show you what we're talking about. Jerusalem, see the bottom? That's where the church was gathered. That's where Jesus was killed. That's where the church was born, the upper room. And then Stephen, as he's killed, they scattered all over the place. And we see a story of Philip going to Ethiopia and Africa. These people went north and through Syria. And you see these words. This is modern day or in Jesus' day, in Acts' day, Cyprus, Antioch, Cilicia, Phoenicia. You see where that is now, Okay an island off the coast of Syria. By the way, the book of Acts records this church of Antioch. Uh, Antioch is right near a modern city that is in the news a lot lately. Has anyone heard of a city called Aleppo? Yeah, that's where this whole story takes place, right in that area. 
Okay, let's go back to the verse, please. So, so we see what's going on. They're scattering and going on. Some of them, oh, I'm sorry, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word amongst, uh, only among Jews, key word. As they're going, they're gossiping about Jesus, but only the Jewish people. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and from Cyrene, that's modern-day Libya, went to Antioch to speak to the Greeks. What's the next word? Also, to speak to the Greeks. What's the next word? People, this is an open book test. (laughs) This isn't hard. To speak to the Greeks, what's the next word? There you go. Thank you. Do you see the only also tension that's brewing at this point? Some are speaking to Jews only. Suddenly this, this, in a good way, rogue group of people can't keep Jesus for Jews only. And so they come across Gentiles, they start speaking to them, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. We'll look at this next week. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Only also. It will be the tension of your life. And the degree that we live into also will be the degree of how faithful we are as a church. Let's talk about only and also. Only. I prone to lean towards only as a a default mode. Uh, I like only nature's own heritage flakes cereal. It's all I eat in the morning. I only drink water with my meals. I only sleep in shirts my my daughters buy me. Uh, The one I sleep in this weekend is called uh, D-A-D-D, Dads Against Daughters Dating. (laughs) My daughter bought it for me, so I'll wear it, okay? I wear shorts too, okay? But shorts and a shirt, okay? I like only. You can set your calendar. You can set your watch by how my rituals go throughout the day. Only provides security for me. Only is safe to me. And only can be lethal in my walk with Jesus. Only can be lethal to our ministry as a church. When we value safety over obedience, when we value protection instead of faith, we will cease to grow as a body. Because the human default mode is only, we're accustomed to associating and ministering to only a certain kind of people, only using methods familiar to us. Believe it or not, most of you sit only in the seat or the section that you sit in on a regular basis, and you only associate with a certain kind of people. Not even, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, it's just our nature, but uh, not associating with people who are new or people who are other. The majority of us don't come looking for those people. We only look for people we know and like. And we often miss the divine opportunities that abound among different kind of people in the next place where God wants us to move. That was the case at the church of Jerusalem. And so God has Stephen martyred. That wasn't God's plan, but Stephen gets martyred. The church scatters and God uses it. I live every Sunday with the only also tension. Like, if you could rip me open and see my heart, uh, you've got to know when I see you here, most of you that come on a regular basis, I want to stop time. I want to hug you because I'm Italian. (laughs) I want to put my cheek against your cheek. I want to hear how I love you. My friend Gloria's here. Gloria, you haven't been with us in so long. I'm so glad that you're here with us. I love seeing you. And Barb, and I can just go on, Chris. I can go on and on and on. 
I, my heart explodes every Sunday morning that you're here. I celebrate the fact that God's been faithful and that we're here and we're clinging to grace. But there's also a heartache every Sunday morning. Because of all, and this isn't on you, but all the red pews that are here. My heart breaks for who's not here. Did you know that 95% of our peninsula, the video that you saw, 95% of those 8.5 million people don't attend church on a regular basis on a weekend? 95%. What amazes me is that statistic, and I'm a professional, it doesn't bother me as much as it should. It doesn't seem to be bothering a lot of people. See, if 95% of people were keeping their kids out of school, that would bother some people. I guarantee if 95% of Teslas that rolled out and were bought didn't work within the first year, that would bother some people. Do you think? What about if 95% of Apple computers broke down within the first year? you think that would bother anybody? Yeah. Everyone's alarm bells would go off. The lay leadership of this church, the paid staff of this church, are ringing the alarm bells. It's just not okay. And TBC is a a movement that God started outside this church. This church is intricately involved in it. But to see that 95% number go down drastically. See, because God loves every single person who makes up the 95% unchurched. God's heart breaks over every person that represents 95% and the hopelessness that abounds in our region. God's sending thousands of people. 15 to 20,000 new people are coming into Redwood City. I don't believe he sent them here so that they don't hear about the hope of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the new life that Jesus provides. What wouldn't we do? What wouldn't we do to reach our neighbors with the hope of Christ? So at Christmas, God reminded me of this. I was uh, in Menlo Park at a lunch, and uh, the waitress that was serving us uh, says to me, are you a pastor at PCC? You're the pastor at PCC, aren't you? And based on the inflection, I know how to answer that, okay? <laughs> Her inflection was good, so I said, yes, yes. And uh, I said, you know PCC? And this is what she said. Um, PCC saved my life. I gave my life to Christ at PCC. And then she asked if Paul and Helen are still working here. And she said, you know what? I was a student at Sequoia High School, and some students took a risk and stepped over an only barrier. She's telling me this at the table. And included me. She didn't use the only barrier. That's my life. Stepped over a barrier, included me, put their reputation on the line, and gave me an invite to a Wednesday night meeting. My whole life changed when I heard about the new life in Christ. She's been to Ensenada. Uh, she grew in a small group. She's involved in a Christian school in the Pacific Northwest now. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yes, thank you, Lord. And the owner of this restaurant hears us talking. He's like, what are you talking about? And we're, we're, you know, I'm like, what are you going to do at that point? I'm like, well, we're talking about this person. The guy goes, when do you have Christmas services? And I told him, and on Christmas Eve at 8 o'clock, that owner came to the rest of the restaurant and he waited like our eight o'clock was packed in here he waited like 20 minutes and he was crying the whole time and he just said you'll never know what this gathering what this service meant to me tonight 
Thank you so much. And we're following up in, in January because he's part of the also too. See, we just can't be content with only, as secure as it is. What's the alternative? Also, the story of the Antioch church would have never been told if well-meaning people stuck to only. If all had continued doing ministry that was familiar, speaking only to people they were comfortable with, all the new members' classes of the early church would have been Jewish converts, right? They had to step out of their only. And that's the story of the church of Antioch. Look at page two, and let me show you how they were also. And this is really important, okay? Page two, look at this. How did they steward the also conviction? Here's the first. They were also with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. What Paul and Helen and other students did with that uh, sweet, beautiful young woman, they were doing all over. Look what it says in Acts 11 in your notes. It's not going to be on the screen. Acts 11, 21 to 24. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people, great number, that word's used three times in Acts chapter 11. It means something supernatural took place. This was beyond natural. This wasn't because of any homiletical skill or any evangelism strategy or any discipleship strategy. This was something beyond natural. Great number of people believed in terms of the Lord. And then it talks about this guy Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Great, great, great beyond natural. They were also with the gospel. Do you know who one of the first converts, or one of the key converts, not first, but key converts from the Antioch ministry was? You ever heard of a gospel writer named Luke? Luke came from Antioch. Luke's the only Gentile writer in the whole Bible because this church took the gospel outside of only Jews and shared the gospel with Gentiles too. Look at this. They were also with their resources. The disciples, uh, as a church, here's the backstory, starts, there's a famine down in Judea, Jerusalem. We saw that in southern Israel. And so this church is collecting, they're brand new, and they're, they're saving up money maybe to buy a building or do this. And they hear this is famine, and look at their response. We're not going to hoard this all to ourselves. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters who are also living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So they were also very generous. We'll see that this month. Now look at this. This one challenges me the most. They were also with their obedience. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, why? They had to hit a pause on that. I'll explain that in a minute. They placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. Who did they send off? Barnabas and Saul. Who are Barnabas and Saul? Let's talk about that. Imagine if you had as your Bible teacher, your head pastor, the key theologian, the most famous theologian in all the New Testament, the greatest missionary in all the New Testament, the most prolific author of the New Testament. Imagine if that was your lead pastor. That was the Apostle Paul, or Saul, in here. Then imagine if you had in your midst uh, the greatest encourager in all the New Testament. Of all the people who ever lived, only one person gets the title of the most encouraging person ever. 
And you put them on your usher staff and your greeting staff. And people are growing because all Barnabas is doing is encouraging. And then God says, Paul and Barnabas, I want them out of here. I want them to do what they're doing here around the world. Wouldn't you gulp at that point and go, wait a second. They're too valuable to us. Yeah, me too. But not this church. There was no limit on their obedience. If the Holy Spirit said it, if God's word said it, they were all for it, regardless. And they gave up their greatest human resources any church has ever had for the sake of the gospel. Paul's first missionary journey, second missionary journey, third missionary journey, most of the New Testament, all came about because of that decision to say to God, we will be also with our obedience. Now let me ask you a question. What's the limit of your obedience? We've all got one. Is it your comfort? Is it your reputation? Is it the impulses that are coming through you? I gotta have it. I know what you say, but I gotta do this. What's the limit of your obedience? I'm so amazed that this church put no limits and said to God, Whatever you say, whatever it costs, whatever it costs me in comfort, in security, in everything that only brings, I'm in. Do you see how you just can't brush over that word also, how it's messy and thrilling at the same time? Come on, you know as well as I do, in hindsight, the most incredible spiritually thrilling aspects of your life is when you stepped over an only barrier into the realm of also and you trusted God and you said, God, if you don't come through, I'm hosed. You know that's the case. The elders of this church, all right, who's clapping? I love that. Thank you. That's why we need more of a multicultural church. We got clappers over there. Um, I just lost it. Where were we talking about? Um, uh, the elders of this church, uh, sorry, the leadership of this church is calling us to that kind of vision. Where if God doesn't come through in the next 10 years, um, boy, this is going to be tough for me to stand before you and go, I swear, I, what are we going to do now? It's that big. So let me start with the vision, and then the rest of the month, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come back every week and build this out. I'm just giving you one piece of it, and then next week we're coming back, and next week, that's all of January. You know what we're going to do in February? encourage every one of you to get into a living room just like the early church gathered we're going to have these meetings set up in living rooms we're calling them vision desserts we'll buy the food even and we'll lay out this vision in detail with you that's february and march and then in april we'll gather again together we're going to find some place downtown that's big enough for all of us and we'll celebrate this vision and then launch into it for the next 10 years okay here's the vision What does our our culture most need? It's the same thing that drove you through the rain to come here and gather. Hope in Christ. It's why you fill out those response cards and put prayer requests down. Because you hope, beyond hope, beyond yourself, that God intervenes and answers. It's why you're here today. You hope God meets you. You want a hope beyond your career, beyond a relationship, beyond your hurts, habits, hang-ups, beyond the grave. You need hope. 
And that's what God's called us to give. It's the best thing we got. And so our vision for the next 10 years is to infuse the hope of Christ into the most influential region of the world. Into the most influential region of the world. Hope matters. And we're going to build that out for the next four weeks. How important hope is and how we're going to do this. Here's what I need you to do as we land this plane. See the questions and the things in the bottom of page three? I'm banking that you, if you call PCC your regular place, even if you don't, you would take this application. You would reflect. When did someone step over an only barrier to bring you the hope of Jesus? What did that mean for you? And then, how do you fit in this vision? And I understand, I just gave you one line. But just ask God, because here's what we're counting on, everybody. We're counting on the fact that God's going to resonate this in the hearts of tons of people. Not everybody. We know that. But there's going to be enough that God resonates this, and you go, oh, I've already talked to a ton of people in the first two gatherings. Like, oh, I can't wait. Where do you fit in that vision? And then would you read Acts 11, 19 to 30? That's where we'll be for the next month. Would you read that time and time again? Look at the qualities of the early church. I hope you stick it out for this next month. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for what, the stirring that you're doing. Thank you for this gathering. And thank you that we get now to gather around communion tables and remember the tangible expression that you're an also God. You gave your body, you gave your blood. Thank you for that. Continue to stir, we pray. In Jesus' name. listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.